And we're going to go into Genesis chapter 37, and I'm just going to kind of skim through it. Um, but Genesis chapter 37 kind of starts off with <clears throat> the the sons of Jacob. And it literally says in uh, one of the first couple of verses that um, that Jacob loved his son Joseph more than any of his other sons. And because of this, he fancied him a, a nice robe. Uh, and the next verse after that says, Joseph's brothers hated him for this. Jo- Joseph's brothers knew that, he, that Jacob loved him more, and they hated him for this. And so my first point kind of of this story, and I'm going to get into my actual message that I have saved, is this is how, and we've talked about this in some of the previous giant episodes. This is how bad bitterness, a root of bitterness, can torment you in such a way that your own flesh and blood, you, the thought crosses your mind of getting rid of them. These guys. <clears throat> And these guys, from a very young age, grew up hating their brother because he all because he was loved. That is the epitome of bitterness. Feeling left out, feeling like um, you deserve more, feeling like you deserve better. And for that, they grew up holding on to a bitter spirit towards their brother that one day, when they saw him from a distance, they said, oh, here comes the dreamer. Have you ever been in in that position where you were sitting down with maybe a group of friends? Because usually that's... How it happens, the company you keep, you kind of start gossiping about another person, and then, oh, be quiet, here comes the so-and-so. Here comes the dreamer. Here comes the goody-two-shoe. tell you a little quick story um, about me and my brother. I... I am. I was a horrible big brother. Um, I was an angry big brother. And he got the bulk of all that anger. (laughs) But uh, he was always, I've said this before, he was always so much better than me at things. Uh, If he's watching this, he, you know, yeah, I said it. Live in front of people, but he was always so much quicker and better at picking up on things than than I I ever was, um, and I still beat him up. Was horribly mean to him, uh, bullied him, all of the above. And there's a story that my dad tells all the time it's so funny and every time we get together this story never like it it always gets brought up and i love my brother's love for me 
And I'm going to, I'm going to relate it to this story, I promise. <clears throat> but I had enough of life. I had enough of everything. My parents, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'm, I'm leaving. And I was like 13. Something like that. Probably younger. Had my bags packed and everything. And my, my dad was outside smoking a cigarette. Right outside, right outside of our front door. It, as soon as you walked out to the front door, there was a wall. And that wall was our, our room. Right? We stayed in one room. And um, he was outside smoking a cigarette. And the walls were so thin that he could hear the whole conversation. And here's my brother's conversation. Or here, here's me. I'm leaving. I'm getting out of here. And my, bro, my poor brother, full of love, but always better at me. Better at things than, than I was. The guy that I always beat up and the guy that the guy that had vision and wanted more out of life and just had love. Here he was sitting there going, Well, Justin, what are you going to do? You know, with the kind of tear, you know, kind of whine in his voice like, You can't leave me. You know, and here he is saying, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? How are you going to survive? I didn't care. And I didn't see it at this time, that how much my brother loved me. <clears throat> because most of the time, I just saw him as the dreamer. As the person that was better at things. So here is Joseph's brother's. And I want to tell you the little story of them going, uh, of him going to find his brothers right before this terrible act that they do to him. He's going out looking for his brothers. He didn't give his dad any lip. His dad said, "Go find your brothers," and he, yeah, okay. Why? He loved his brothers so much. Didn't matter how bad they treated him. As a side note, bitterness can cause you to do bad things. So the first thought, they said, oh, look, here comes the dreamer. And like I said, anybody following, this is Genesis 37. You can read the whole chapter. All right? It's in there, I promise. They said, oh, look, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. This is his brothers. And maybe you haven't been that extreme. Well, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But have you ever thought, man, I wish I never saw them again? Man, I don't know. I don't like them. I don't want to deal with them. I don't. <laughs> I just wish they were out of my life. What's the difference? Right? So the first thing that Joseph's brothers say, let's kill him. Alright, so bitterness, my first point, and then um, I'm going to jump into some into a whole other story. Bitterness will cause you to become the judge, jury, and executioner. In any of your circumstances. When you start to feel like you deserve better, you stop 
focusing on what God has done in your life or what He is currently doing. When you're focused on some on being bitter, you can't focus on what He's currently doing in your life right now. Right? You can't. You can't see it because you're too focused on what's going on over here that looks so much better. If if Joseph's brothers would have just looked at God, the whole thing might have been a little bit different. But nothing can stop God's plan. And that's why at the very end of it, <clears throat> there's something radical that happens. And I'm going to get to that. Let me get to this uh, next part. Alright. So, now we're going to go to Ruth chapter 1. Verses 12 and 13. Alright, in verse 12 it says, Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it's exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Alright. So this is Naomi who's talking here. How do we know Naomi is bitter? She says, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She blames God for the turn of events in her life. She says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Right? In, in the old text, Naomi means pleasant. She says, and my life is not pleasant anymore. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. In one of the verses she says, I went out full and I came back empty. Empty. God has testified against me in this way and He has afflicted me. So I am bitter. So one of the things I have wrote down is bitterness is a result of dealing wrongly with grief. Alright. Check this out. Out of everything that I just said, have you? Can you get? Let me give you a visualization of a person who maybe, uh, well, Eeyore. That's a good one. That's what this Naomi chick sounds like, right? Well, everything. I, I had everything, and then I lost it. God is against me. Uh, things just aren't ever going to look any better. I just. I can't see anything, you know. Uh, you ever, you know, have you ever seen a person or been a person like that, where everybody has so much more than me? Everything is so much better for them. Uh, or, or here's a good one because this is this is what I hear a lot of times, just in in, in my in, in my everyday life. Um, 
That kind of thing doesn't happen for me. No. Um, my life is doesn't look like that. I, 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 we don't get things like that in my family. Your. <laughs> All right. So one of the things that I want to talk about, I want to back up into the first part of, of Ruth chapter one, and give you a little bit of, um, a little bit of uh, insight. So Ruth, a short story. Or right. Naomi, she loses her husband. All right, about a decade later, she loses her two sons. They are everything to her. And so, in this story, when you're reading Ruth chapter one, we see her lose all this stuff. All right, but how many out there know that out of every bad thing, God can turn it around and make it good? Okay, so here comes in one of these choices that we have to make. Because when we do lose everything and when we lose things, because that's just going to happen when, we, when, when, th- when bad things happen, we have a choice to say, okay, God can use this for His good. So many times I've talked to people and it been like, um, it been something as simple as, um, I've tried the church thing. Or I've talked to, you know, I've prayed and I've done this kind of stuff. And I wish God really heard me, but He, he just doesn't hear, you know, people like me. There's a, when you're talking to somebody like that, there's a bitter root there. Okay? They've been offended and they don't think that they're worthy because of it. Talk to them. Show them some Jesus, man. A bitter spirit left unchecked may well lead to thoughts of suicide. Here's one of the bad things, like horrible things. Job had to deal with this in chapter 3, verse 20. He questions God. Why does God leave us alive? To suffer in our bitterness. I've been down that dark road. And here's Job portraying the same emotions and the same actions, saying, you know, God, why, why didn't you, know, essentially, why, why didn't you just kill me? Why put me through this suffering and this bitterness? And why, why is this happening? Have you ever been there? God, why is this happening to me? All right, let me jump down. So, talk about a couple of causes of bitterness. We're still rocking and rolling. We're doing great. All right, Facebook Live, just hang with me. It wasn't my fault, so it must be God's. I'm the innocent victim of the society in which I live, and God controls the society. You hear people talk like that all the time. There's problems with that language. 
So three points on that. The causes of bitterness, there's, there's three things the enemy likes to do. He likes to let you, he likes to teach you how to shift the blame. Alright? And not be your fault. Or anybody else, or like, anybody that's on board with you's fault. But it's somebody else's fault. It's God's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's this, this, and that. I'm not that type of person, so it can't happen to me. So the, the enemy likes to let you linger in your own conscience thinking, eh, it's not my fault. It's that it's totally somebody else. Another thing the enemy likes to get you to do is to ease the pain. When whether you're taking pills, alcohol, you know, you name it, insert anything, um, to try and take away that uh, that offense that happened to you. And another thing the enemy likes to do is he likes to tell you that you can get even. You can become like Joseph's brothers. You can become the judge, jury, and executioner. Strike back. Get even with God and even with that man or woman. It'll make you feel better. So you think. But here's a here's God's answer to Satan's lies. See, sin is responsible for all of life's ills. You name any one thing in your life that you use to justify your bitterness, and I can guarantee two conclusions. It never existed before the fall of man, and it will not exist in heaven. Did you catch that? Let me read it again. You name any of the things in your life that you use to justify your bitterness, and I can guarantee you it never existed before the fall of man, and it won't exist in heaven. Let's take death as an example. An untimely death. Sometimes... People get upset by an untimely death. They get upset at the person, maybe not taking care of themselves, maybe not, um, etc., etc. They get mad at God because that's not fair. It's not fair that that happened, and and they start to get bitter towards it, right? Death never existed. Until sin came into the world. And death does not exist in heaven. So, anything that you use, this is a perfect point to show you that anything that you use to justify your bitterness, like, that's not fair, that's not fair, it was an untimely death, he had so much life to live, I get it, I get grief, I get, I get how that feels, but, death did not exist before the fall of man, and death does not exist in heaven. Let's talk about untimely deaths. Jesus, he only made it to 33 
Wait a minute. That's young. That's two years from where I'm at. I would say it's untimely. But if death didn't exist before the fall of man and death didn't, doesn't exist in heaven, there is no untimely death. There was no pain in the garden. There was no sickness in the garden. It wasn't until the fall of man. Guess what's not going to be in heaven? Pain and sickness. Sin is responsible for all of that, not God. So if you're going to be mad at somebody, be mad at sin. Be mad at Satan. That makes way better sense. A lot of times we look at God and we go, why did you let this happen to me? When the first word should be like, that daggum devil. You know? I'm trying to make it funny. I'm not very good at it. i got to draw some humor. But, why is it that we always blame the good guy? Why does that happen? Why is it that we always blame the good guy for our mess up? For something happening bad to us? For evil happening to us? Why do we not choose to say, "Okay, God, I still exalt you, and I'm gonna, I'm going to pay, I'm going to pay attention to whatever you're going to bring out of this. I know it hurts right now, and I, and um, I know you're going to stick it to the devil for me." We don't do that, though. I'm going back to Naomi. Naomi had experienced a series of life's bad deals. So did Joseph. When we go back to that, see, Joseph was sold into slavery. And we talked about this in a couple of the last lessons, but he was sold into slavery. He was given a good position as a slave. And then he was, um, he was thrown into prison for a little while. I mean, he had a rough go. Naomi lost her family, her own, her own time, her family. Job tortured, tormented, lost his lost his uh, his livestock, lost everything, lost his family, and left with a wife and friends that want to curse God. Okay, these people had some bad deals. The question is, do we accept these bad deals in life as a part of all things in life? as a part of the rain that falls on the just and unjust? Or do we shake our spiritual fist at God and choose to be offended? Let me read that again. Do we accept things as they are, as we know them, as the truth preaches them, I'm reading out of the Bible here. Or do we shake our fist at God and choose to be offended because it should have never happened to me? Think about that. So I'm going to give you some counter 
um, attacks on how to take on this giant of bitterness. It's really because it's it's really a bad giant. I don't know if I'm if I brought this out to you guys yet. If you if you haven't caught it in the message yet, but this is a really really nasty guy. Anything that can make you want to kill your brother. All right, let's go back to Cain and Abel. Bitter because God chose him in that instant. What he had wasn't good enough. You see how you see that language that I'm talking with right now? So there's a cure for, for for things. See, Cain could have simply said, Okay, okay. Um I'm you know, I messed up. I didn't give I didn't give my best. But instead, he took I mean he went to that meeting with God with less than best. Right? Knowing he should bring his best. And when God said that's not your best, then immediately mad. Yes, it is. I'm Cain. <laughs> you can just imagine that I'm giving you an example of somebody that you that you you've either been or you know. Think about that. Man, that's rough. But um and then what does he do? He goes out and he kills his brother. That's bitterness. And the next time that we see bitterness, really soon after that in Genesis 37, Joseph, his brother's first thought was to kill him. Luckily, he had one brother that said, you know what, maybe we shouldn't kill him. And it kind of deviated away from plan. Still got, still got sold to, <laughs> to Egypt. But bitterness is bad. This is a bad giant that we're facing. But what I'm about to get into is our God is bigger than that. So much bigger. So, the first step in curing a bitter spirit is taking another look at God. Okay? When you have a bitter spirit and when you're bitter towards things and you look at something, you don't look at it with love. You don't look at it like you should be looking at it, like God looks at you. Right? So take another look at God. See, this is what Job had to do. God said, Job, sit down for a spell and take a look at who I am. Were you there when I created the the heavens? Were you there when I created the earth? Job, let me tell you about who I am. Job, I am not like you. Because you think about that. You go to your Bible and you look at Genesis 1 and you look at what God created. Is your language matching up with what we know about God? Does that sound like God? Does that sound like... Because who's been... Think about it internally. Who here has been a Job? And questioned God and said, God, why has this happened to me? Why, what's going on? This isn't, this isn't right. Why, did you just, why didn't you just kill me? Why are you doing this to me? And God says, Job, I need you to sit down. I need you to really think about what you're saying about me. Does it match 
who I am? Does your words match who God is? That's a big thing. So take another look at God. We learn from Job here. We learn from God here that God sits down with Job and says, Hey, look at who I am. Were you there? That's what he's saying when he's saying, Were you there when I created the heavens? Okay, look, I did that. Does it sound like me that I would put you through this? That I would I would be the one that that killed your kids? That I would be the one that put boils on you? I didn't inflict pain on you, God said. Satan did. I allowed him to, but not because I was angry, but because I love you and I trusted you. And because I wanted you to know who I really am. See, sometimes God allows things to happen to us because we have to know Him. Because otherwise, we don't want to get to know Him. If everything is going good, we don't have a need to know Him. So sometimes, and I'm not saying that, that your life should just be in shambles all the time. Don't take that. Don't take that and run with it. I'm saying sometimes God allows things to happen. If your heart is a heart filled with bitterness, then you cannot know who God is. And so if you walk out of here with anything tonight... Walk out of here with that. Because if you are harboring bitterness in your heart, you cannot know God as God. And that's huge. You can't, you can't, and he's telling Job this right now. Job is yelling out in a bitter spirit to God. And God says, sit down. You don't even know who I am. And he says, sit down, you don't know who I am because of your bitter heart, pretty much. And here's where things get really good. In Job 40, verses 1 through 5, And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty, he who argues with God? Let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Once you realize you have a bitter spirit, you have to tell God it is a sin and you have to put your hand over your mouth and hush and listen to what God tells you. Because if you are a bitter spirit and you're constantly talking and complaining to God, you have no reason whatsoever, no way whatsoever to hear God tell you how much He loves you. Do you ever have that kind of person in your life that is just constantly always trying to tell you you love, they love you, but you still beat them up? You still pick on them. You still bully them. But they still come running to you. Not once. 
It takes it, it takes getting rid of the bitter spirit for you to see that somebody truly loves you and, that they, and, and who they really, really are. Ephesians 4, verses 31, let all... And it, I, I'm equipping you, I, I'm, I'm helping you get equipped, okay? The Bible is equipping you, alright, so we're reading out of this. But I'm, I'm here tonight and I'm helping you get equipped. I'm, I'm going to read some scripture that tells you about bitterness and what to do. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Replace bitterness with the Word of God. Memorize portions of God, of God's Word, and it'll enter into the bloodstream. When you can memorize stuff like that, it'll begin the, to, to cleanse the, uh, the, the, the soul. Um, but, let me back up. Sorry. As God in Christ forgave you. That's the biggest one. I mean, no, God didn't just forgive me. He forgave everybody in this room. He forgave, like, and that, that's that's what he that's what he did. Like, he didn't die to just to just seek just mine, even though he he would have, because that's God. Who are we to hold malice towards somebody else? Right, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry. We got just a couple more minutes. I'm done now. Three. The third step in, in, in curing this bitter spirit. Humble yourself before God and repent. In Job 42, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so here's Job saying, you know what, God, you like, I exalt thee. I was so childish. I was so, I, I was, I was lost. I was, I was hearing you in a way, but now my eyes see you. I truly see you. Man. That's what happens when you when you repent. That's what happens when you give this stuff up to God. Uh, you know, there, there's people that walk through this life with stuff that, um, the stuff that that is really really rough. All right, like really really bad death in the family, um, uh, drugs, um, alcohol, you name it, all kinds of bad stuff, and they get through it, and they're just like. You know, bring it on. And people are like, I don't know how how they got through that. God. God. That's how they got through it. And there are people that hold on and harvest bitterness and it seems like they every little problem just 
added on their shoulders, and it weighs them down. This is what it feels like when you give it all up to God. You can see things that you never saw before because you can see what God's actually doing for you and how much He loves you. When Job called sin, sin, he ceased blaming God for being unfair and accepted the responsibility of his bitter spirit. This is a saying that I wrote down. The great physician began to release him from the hospital ward of bondage to circumstance. That's pretty good. Guy's smart whoever wrote that. It's not me. Um, bury yourself and concern yourself with other people. Job 42.10, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. All right, this is one of the biggest things. Job restored, or God restored the fortunes of Job. He restored everything that he lost. And here's a big thing, and this is going to help with bitterness. When Job started praying for his friends, God restored two times more. His friends that had a bitter spirit. When Job was able to lose his self-pity and began praying for the ones... Remember when I said just a while ago that it's contagious when you start getting in that complaining spirit? I see a lot of times I don't think we look at, at Job's friends like that. Why were Job's friends cutting his God down? Well, because Job was complaining. It's a pretty good pretty good reason. If I go and I complain to to anybody out here about one thing, there might be some people that say, well, you know, you shouldn't look at it like that, Justin. But there's also going to be some people that go, oh, yeah, no, I, 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 I hate that person too. Well, we should, we should grab our pitchforks. Let's do it. There's people like that for some reason. I don't know. I, I do know. Like, they need Jesus. It's as simple as that. Give them some. So here's Job. Praying for his friends. Why is he praying for his friends? Because he sees his friends as Jesus sees his friends. He sees his friends as God sees his friends. And that is a big thing. And so why does Job get rewarded twice or two times more than he deserved? Because he's praying for people. He's seeing things. He gets it. God says, oh yeah, here's more. You got it, man. That's so awesome to me, and it's a great lesson. Allow yourself to become vulnerable and accept the love of others. Let's go back to Ruth, and this is it. Because this is really cool. You got to surround yourself with the with the right kind of people, and you got to accept the love of others. But here was Naomi, and she's caught up in a web of self pity. All right, we remember this, right? She felt unloved and unaccepted by God. She literally told them, you know, you know, God had, you know, pretty much like God doesn't like me. You go do your thing. God doesn't like me. So God sent her a package of love she couldn't refuse. And Ruth one 
Verse 14, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more. Also, if anything but death parts me from you. Did you hear that? This is a woman that is like bitter. That says, go with your sister, leave me. Where is me? And then here's somebody that says, no, where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. Where your people are is where my people are. All right? Where you die, I die. And so I have a big, huge question. How in the world can bitterness survive in the face of that kind of love? Here's two things to consider in closing because Ruth's response to Naomi is a big thing. It's a big response. If you live with someone or minister to someone who is bathed in bitterness, commit yourself to love them unconditionally. It'll be difficult. It'll be very difficult. They may be untrusting and they may be angry and they may be angry at God. Let God love them through you unconditionally, just as Ruth did. It will change them and it will change change you. Here's another big point, and this is this is it. Ruth's commitment, right there at, the, at, at, at that last verse that we just read, is is a portrait, a, a glimpse, if you will. Of God's love towards us. God's commitment to us. Maybe if you've seen Jesus, you've urged Him to keep walking. Maybe if you've had a Jesus encounter and you kind of fought back. But I want you to know God wants you to have His Spirit. God wants you to know that where you go, He will go. Okay? God wants you to know that where your people are is where His people are. Okay? God wants you to know that when this earthly body passes that God wants to be there with you. God wants to wants you to know that He loves you unconditionally. And He is running after you. Alright? Whether you want Him to or not. So, perhaps the circumstances of your life have been completely devastating and you don't have anywhere to turn. You don't know what to do. Take this message at its whole. 
And literally, like the song says, you know, you know, you know that song uh, uh, by Third Day? Cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Literally, cry out to Jesus. That's all, that's all it takes because He's waiting there. You may be a Naomi right now. You may have a problem right now where you say, just go without me. You know, I'm too much of a burden. You're not too much of a burden to God because He's looking at you like Ruth looked at Naomi. But that's just a glimpse. It's so much more. He's looking at you saying, no, child, I, I go where you go. Come on. Stop it. So, my last thing we're going to do is we're going to pray. We're going to pray. But we, if you're facing bitterness and you're having issues, you have to know, you have to know this. Whoever you're bitter towards, God died for them, or Jesus died for them to have a chance of salvation too. Bitterness always seems like the right way for us to, to justifiably hurt the other person, but it never does that. It always hurts us. Okay? So, let's start equipping ourselves with facing this giant. Let's start, let's start going to God. Let's start taking accountability of our, of our bitter spirit. Let's start recognizing that when we look at somebody that wrongs us and we get, we get that sideways look like, what did he just say? Or, you know, something like that. That we go, oh, hey, okay, you know what? No, 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 no. God, help me. One of the things I do constantly, and I've had to learn this because I have been a bitter person in my life, is I have to say, like literally in my head, when as soon as somebody offends me, I say, God, show me how you show how you see them. Let me see them how you see them, Jesus, please. <laughs> And it almost instantly goes away. I'm not. I'm not lying to you. It almost instantly goes away when I when I feel a spirit of offense go away, and I pray. It may come back in ten minutes, and I have to say, "Hey, Jesus, please show me again what, how you see that person." And guess what? If I constantly am reminding myself and and teaching myself to see people the way Jesus sees people, then I am going to kick bitterness's butt all the way back to he double hockey sticks. Okay. I'm gonna get there, but you, so here's here's my piece of advice: start asking God to show you how He sees people. All right, start start asking God to show you how to love people the way He loves them. All right, and when you get bitter at somebody and you start saying stuff like that, it starts it starts shaving off. You start. You stop worrying about what people did to you, or what what you think people did to you, because you've got to understand another thing that we already talked about is that God can turn anything into His good. All right. So right now we're going to pray, and God, we just ask you to 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 keep um, circumcising our heart. Okay, to keep shaving off those bad things from our heart that, that, that no root of bitterness or evil, anything, be harbored in our heart. 
right, God, we ask you to take that away right now in the name of Jesus. Okay, God, we ask you to, to show us, okay, if, if, if somebody right here, right now on Facebook Live or in this room is harboring bitterness in their heart, we ask you to show that person right now in the name of Jesus how you see that person, how you saw that offense, and how you can use it for your glory. God, just as you did with Job, just as you did with every with, with other people in the Bible, but just as you did with Job when he, when he was crying out, God, there's somebody right now that's crying out to you, and they're asking for you to sit down with them and say, hey, this is me. So God, do that in the name of Jesus. God, we ask that any other attacks or, or, or um, any attacks on health um, be, be sent back to hell in the name of Jesus. That they be bound and 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 sent back to Satan, and he and he go and and every demon and every every sickness flee right now in the name of Jesus. And we thank you so much for everything that you're doing, God. We ask you to replace this heart of bitterness that has has taken 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 root, that it be gone and be replaced with a heart of gratefulness towards every single person, towards everything that you've put in our life. And we just thank you so much, God. And we say this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Y'all have a blessed day.